Welcome to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We put knowledge and care within reach so you have everything you need to live your life to the fullest. My name is Prakash Chandran, and today we'll be discussing what to expect if you need spine surgery. We're joined by Dr. Kenneth Crandall. He's currently a neurosurgeon at the University of Maryland Medical Center and UM St. Joseph Medical Center, while also being an assistant professor in the Department of Neurosurgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Dr. Crandall, thank you so much for joining us today. I truly appreciate your time. So obviously, we're talking about spine surgery today, and I wanted to get started by asking how a person can prepare their body to have the most successful outcome, and how long before the surgery should they begin that preparation? Sure, no problem. It's my pleasure to talk to you about this important issue. So first of all, you know, spine surgery is highly variable and and there's a lot of different types of operations that we perform. So I think it's, of course, important to talk to your doctor about the things that may be specific to your operation. But in general, you know, it's it's a good idea to start preparing, you know, as soon as you find out that you're going to have surgery. And I think it's something that a lot of people take for granted, uh, you know, the things that they can do before surgery to have a more successful uh, surgery and a more successful outcome. And, you know, there's there's sort of different categories. And, and you know, one of them is, is just your general health. You know, uh, there's a lot of other medical conditions that can potentially lead to complications from spine surgery, just such as diabetes, being overweight and smoking. Uh, so controlling diabetes, losing weight, um, doing what you can to exercise and get your heart and body healthy is going to make for a better outcome. And of course, stopping smoking. Um, in addition, having a good diet, uh, taking calcium and vitamin D supplementation will make your bones stronger. And then in addition, you're going to be told to potentially stop certain medications prior to the surgery, such as blood thinners and things like fish oil, uh, potentially other anti-inflammatory medications. Um, and then you're also going to be given a list of, of preoperative tests and evaluations that you need to complete. So it's important to get those done in a timely manner because if anything uh, you know, is found, that, that may need to be addressed prior to surgery. Okay, thank you for that comprehensive overview. So leading up to the surgery itself, talk to us a little bit more about how long uh, a spine surgery actually takes. So it's uh, it's highly variable. And one of my mentors used to tell patients when they asked that question, it's going to take until it's done um, because it's very dependent on on how technically challenging it is when we're actually in there doing the surgery. Uh, but there's also a lot of factors uh, that the patients and family don't realize go into before and after the surgery as well, such as the time it takes to be put to sleep, uh, for the anesthesiologist to place all the the, the uh, lines that they need. Um, a lot of times we monitor neurologic function during the surgery, so those electrodes have to be placed as well, and then time to position the patient on the table. All of that can take anywhere from 30 minutes to even up to an hour and a half prior to actually when we start the operation, all of which time, you know, the family is waiting, uh, thinking that the surgery is happening. Um, and then the surgery itself, some surgeries are more challenging than others. Um, some surgeries are more extensive than others. Um, so uh, we may find things in, in, in surgery like excessive bleeding or, or maybe even a spinal fluid leak that may take time for us to, to fix or repair. Um, and all of those things are normal occurrences during surgery uh, but can add to the time. 
Um, so we tried to give general estimations uh, for for how long a surgery may take, um, but it's it's not necessarily a reason to worry if 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 you're waiting for the end of the surgery and maybe it takes a little bit longer. But we also try to do a good job at updating families during the operation as well to let them know what's happening. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can you actually walk us through the surgery itself? Like, tell us a little bit about who's in the room and how the procedure goes. Right. So during the actual surgery, you know, it's a team of, of people that are in the room. There's the anesthesiologist. There's the uh, nurses are both in the operating room helping us uh, with positioning the patient and, and doing the other uh, things that need to be done in the operating rooms, including running the equipment, et cetera. There's staff, uh, nurses that are uh, passing us equipment and in, in the, the instruments that we use in the surgery. Um, but then there's also someone assisting the surgeon, and that could either be a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner, or especially in academic centers, um, a, a resident or a fellow. And these are all highly trained, uh, skilled team members that are very experienced in, in, in helping create for a successful operation. Now, I imagine that the answer to this will also be highly variable. But for the people that want to know how long they can expect to be in the hospital after the surgery, can you give them a general time frame? Sure. So it's, it is highly variable based on the surgery. Some surgeries that we do are very small and may even be an outpatient procedure where you go home the same day. Some are overnight where you would get to, where we want to keep an eye on you and, and, and then you get discharged the very next day. And some require very prolonged hospitalizations and potentially even placement to, to rehab. But basically, the things that we use to determine when someone can leave the hospital are, are whether or not you meet certain goals. First of all, you need to neurologically be doing well. You know, no new weakness or neurologic issues after the surgery. You need to be eating. Um, um, having normal bowel movements and, and the ability to go to the bathroom. Um, a lot of times after these surgeries, we place a drain, and typically we like to remove that drain prior to, to discharging someone home. And uh, ultimately, you, we, we like people's pain to be under good control prior to leaving and going home because we have more resources to deal with that while you're still in the hospital. And, and then we also usually have people work with physical therapy and occupational therapy, and they um, evaluate you to make sure that you're safe to go home uh, or, or potentially you need some, some inpatient rehabilitation. But ultimately, everything that we do after the surgery uh, in terms of when we send you home is all based on safety and whether or not we think that it's safe for you to leave the hospital and, and go home. Okay, that makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about the recovery period. You know, you mentioned the physical and occupational therapy while you're in the hospital. Does that typically continue afterwards? And are there other types of rehabilitation that are worth mentioning? As we've sort of talked about already, in the hospital, you're evaluated by the physical therapists and occupational therapists, and they determine you know, what you're potentially going to need after surgery. Um, and that may include home physical therapy. That may include uh, rehabilitation where you're actually being transferred to, to a rehab center somewhere. Um, and it's partially based on how what, or what kind of surgery you had, how extensive the surgery was, and also what perhaps your preoperative functioning uh, was. Um, there's typically going to be limitations that are placed 
for a certain time um, postoperatively, such as activity limitations, weight uh, lifting limitations. Um, you may need to be to wear some sort of a brace, for example, like a cervical collar if you're having cervical surgery, or potentially a, a back brace if it's if it's back surgery. Um, we typically recommend people continue to eat a good diet, continue to not smoke after surgery, continue to take calcium and vitamin D supplementation to keep your bones strong, and uh, often if you're having a fusion. Uh, we also recommend avoiding anti-inflammatories during the post-operative period as well. Now, a lot of people are going to be listening to this, and they're going to be wondering what type of results they can expect. Now, obviously, spine surgery treats a wide range of conditions, but can you broadly talk about some of the results that people see after spine surgery is complete? Sure. So there's a lot of different reasons why people have spine surgery. Sometimes it's just for neck or back pain, but often it's due to compression of nerves or the spinal cord, which can cause pain, numbness, and weakness in the arms and legs. And of course, as we've talked about, results are highly variable depending on, on the surgery itself. Um, and also surgery itself causes pain. So, you know, if you have neck pain and then you have surgery on your neck, the surgery itself is going to cause some pain. Uh, for a prolonged period of time after surgery, which can sometimes cause people to become discouraged. Uh, so that's normal, and, and it does get better with time. Um, and other symptoms that people have, such as leg pain, arm pain, weakness, a lot of times that gets better fairly quickly after the surgery, but that can also be variable because if those nerves have been compressed for a really long time, sometimes it can take a while for them to recover. Um, if you have spinal cord compression, um, that can also take a long time to recover, sometimes even months or years. And also, sometimes we don't have patients that make complete recoveries after the surgery. And sometimes also the main goal of surgery is to prevent someone from getting worse as well. In addition, all surgeries are associated with risk factors and complications. And if uh, you're un unfortunately experience a complication, be it an infection or a spinal fluid leak or a nerve injury or something, that can also complicate the recovery process as well. Okay. So taking a step back, it really seems like the best thing to do is first and foremost for preparation, getting your body in the best place possible. So that means eating right. That means smoking cessation, really everything that you can do to have the most successful surgery. Then it's about trusting the team and also the rehabilitation program that you're put in uh, so you can have the absolute best outcome. Is that more or less a high level assessment of how people should be thinking about going into spine surgery? Yeah, I think that's a wonderful summary of everything that we've talked about. Try to live a healthy life both before and after surgery and certainly have a, a good and detailed conversation with, with your surgeon before surgery so you can set realistic goals and expectations, have all your questions answered, and, and, and really understand you know, the, the, the surgery that you're about to have. And final question, you know, I know that a lot of people will be listening to this and they're just a little scared or apprehensive about going in for the surgery itself. Given all of your experience uh, in, in doing this, what's one thing that you wish more patients knew before they came into surgery? 
That's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I think that spine surgery can sometimes have a bad reputation. Um, but if you, uh, you know, are, are somebody who truly has gotten to the point where you need surgery and you find a surgeon that you have a good relationship with um, and you can trust, uh, and, and you do all of the things that we talked about in terms of trying to make yourself as healthy as possible and, and, and listening to the instructions both before and after surgery, then, then you can really maximize the success of, of the operation that you're going to have. Well, Dr. Crandall, I think that's the perfect place to end. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. My pleasure. That was Dr. Kenneth Crandall, a neurosurgeon at the University of Maryland Medical Center and UM St. Joseph Medical Center, and also an assistant professor in the Department of Neurosurgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. This episode is sponsored by the University of Maryland Spine Network. Connected by the renowned University of Maryland School of Medicine, the UM Spine Network is home to the state's leading spine experts. With convenient locations throughout the state, UM Spine Network physicians collaborate to create comprehensive care plans for patients across the full spectrum of care. When you work with a UM Spine Network physician, you can expect to receive the high-quality, evidence-based care that you deserve. You can find more shows just like this one at umms.org podcast. Thank you for listening to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We look forward to you joining us again soon. 